Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's time for Friday Follies, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. It is the year 2016, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Greetings, friends. Well, as you've probably guessed by now, I'm back. I'm not in jail, I'm not in a mental institution, and I'm not visiting creepy dream sequency relatives. I'm here, Rude Alchemy Studios. <laughs> right where I belong. <laughs> it's back to normal. <laughs> Totally normal. <laughs> Everything, everything's back to normal. <laughs> Isn't that right, Courtney? <laughs> Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by puppies. Snuggly Wuggly Whittle Puppies. Whittle baby puppies with their whittle noses and feet and fluffy, fluffy earses. Puppies. Fuck yeah! What's that, Quad? Yes? Yes, I was getting to that. I, I didn't forget. Don't don't you worry. Well, folks, I, I think a bit of a reintroduction is in order. You all remember my assistant, Courtney? Well, since school is in session again, Courtney is back to pick up some more internship hours. And having come directly from university, Courtney brought up a really interesting and I believe important topic. Content. 
Yes, folks, uh, we haven't always been, shall we say, the most sensitive podcast. And from what I've been hearing from Courtney, apparently it's all the rage at our institutions of higher learning nowadays to preface each class session with a list of disclaimers called trigger warnings. These handy little caveats are to help keep our precious, fragile-minded youth from experiencing even the briefest moment of discomfort. When Court told me this, I thought, sign me up! Sign Rude Alchemy up! With the kind of drack our writers regularly spew, God knows the torment we must have already caused countless souls. Well, it's never too late to mend our ways. So, if you'll bear with me, I'll take a moment or two to read through today's script one word at a time and forewarn you of any potential triggers. <clears throat> Let's see. I'm. Okay. Okay, yeah, the first word is I'm. Nothing triggering there. Oh, yeah. Unless. Now, wait a minute. I'm. I am. I implies an individual, a narcissistic, self-referencing, privileged individual as opposed to a group. Oh, dear. God, we're alienating groups with our very first word, not not groups. Groups are the worst people to alienate. I mean, what are we saying? That what I have to say matters so much that I would differentiate myself from my established and accepted social groups? This, this is disgusting, bigoted hate speech. I mean, who are we to use speech at all? What about the non-languaged? Are they to sit around, popping their tongueless mouths in outraged yet fruitless attempts to communicate while we smugly rain verbiage down upon them? Humph, I am. Hey, isn't that what God said his name was? Oh, <laughs> very subtle writers, trying to force a religious agenda. Convert or die, I suppose. Here we go. Forcing our hateful god down everyone's throats, down the throats of those non-language, tongueless, toothless, dry-lipped non-talkers who just want to live in peace and gum whomever they choose without god or the government. Or least of all rude f***ing alchemy telling them to stop. You know what? Forget it, okay? You shouldn't listen to this. No one should. Just turn it off. We're beyond redemption, okay? I'm going to count to three, then I'm going to start the episode... By then, I expect you to be rid of this hate factory once and for all. One, two, three. Wow, you stuck around. Huh. Okay, that's, that's your choice, but if you get triggered, don't blame me because it's not pretty. What's that, Court? Oh, oh yes, I have. Yes, I have been triggered before. I was triggered, um... Uh... Yes, I was triggered by an episode of Mike and Molly. It was terrible. So many fat jokes. I honestly have no idea why fat jokes would trigger me, but... What? What? Say that again, Court? Hmm? Oh. You know why, hmm? You know what? You're an asshole, Court. I bet I can trigger you. Yeah, watch me. One word. Father. <laughs> Oh, I got you good. Oh, shit. Are you okay? I... I was just messing around. Oh, my God. Just, just, just calm down. I'm sorry. No, 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 I really... I am... I'm, I'm sorry, okay? Okay? I, whew. I'm gonna start the episode now, okay? Just, just take as much time as you need. 
I'm back, ladies and gentlemen, and so is our hero of Hydrogen, our ace of the air, our prince of pigeons, Bruff Taxwind. We joined Bruff and his first mate, Colonel Fable G. Lexington, just moments after the destruction of the Atlantean, aboard the newly renamed pirate blimp, the Pigeon. Come on, we gotta get the radio working. Maybe we can make contact with someone and explain what happened. That's what I've been doing, you cauliflower. Don't you see me soldering and splicing, hooking all? Now shut your gob a second, I think I got a signal. And that was Rapey Johnson with Ready or Not. Next up, another number from Rapey's new album, The Chloroform Rag. Ah, it's just a music program. Change the station, try to find the channel for the FAA. Hell no, I love Rapey Johnson. But first, a special news bulletin. More bizarre seismic activity has been reported in the Kingdom of Yugoslavia. Minor earthquakes have already caused significant damage, but experts say the big one is still on the way. The Slovenian government is instituting a mandatory evacuation, and Tuscan Talon Enterprises is donating the airships and manpower to pluck those filthy Slovenians out of their dirt mansions and plop them down in a real country like the U.S. of A. Although, personally, I'll be goddamned if I let some smarmy Slovene folk dancer woo my pure fair-haired daughter with his nut rolls and Istrian stew. Did you hear that, Colonel? Tuscan talent. I bet my third nut Tangier's up to something in Slovenia. I think you're on to something, bruv. If we want to find that no-count varmint, we best set our navigation for Yugoslavia. In other news, there has been an update on the Atlantean disaster. Former jewel thief Bruff Taxwind is now being named by authorities as the mastermind behind the attack that claimed thousands of lives. Taxwind was a crew member on the Atlantean and served as inside man for the Euro-terrorist cabal known as Europa's Horn. Bruff Taxwind now pilots a pirate blimp loaded with stolen artifacts from the Atlantean's cargo and is thought to be armed and extremely dangerous. Wait a minute. I didn't do those things. Tangiers set me up. Yeah, yeah, we know that, bro. That's why we're after him. Oh, yeah, right. This just in, the FAA's air combat unit has zeroed in on Taxwind's location. A glorious air battle is sure to follow. And now, Rapey Johnson's love ballad, I knew you wanted me because of how you were dressed. Suddenly, the sound of a horde of engines buzzed through the air. Bruff and Fable gazed in slack-jawed horror out the cockpit as a fleet of hundreds of red, white, and blue biplanes encircled the pigeon. Maybe we should surrender, Bruff. Give you a chance to clear your name. I don't think they're interested in arresting me. With that, the biplanes opened fire and a swarm of bullets thumped into the pigeon's sturdy hull. I'll give us some distance. You man the gun. Aye, aye. Fable scurried spider-like to the gun nest at the base of the cliff. Ruff kicked the engines into gear and started bucking the blimp wildly, trying to evade the wall of munitions being hurled their direction by the brigade of biplanes. In the gun nest, Fable quickly rigged ropes around the triggers of all twelve Gatling guns and, with a grunt and a heave, fired them all at once, producing a spray of lead that pulsed out from the pigeon in every direction. A half-dozen planes took fire and dropped from the sky in smoky blaze, but fifty more took their place. There's too many of them, bruv. We can't outshoot them. But we can't outrun them either. We're too slow. The pigeon took more heat from the relentless guns. It bucked and shook and began listing badly to the left. The steering's going. What do we do? Hold on. There's one direction where we got their number. Ah, 
Give her all she's got. But our altitude is already close to the max. <laughs> Not by a long shot. That's just as high as the instruments go. I've seen these babies go double that altitude. Now push it. Bruff directed the full power of the throttle to the climbing position. The pigeon lurched upward and the biplanes followed. But as the blimp climbed higher and higher, fewer and fewer biplanes were able to follow. Finally, just one FAA plane was left. Its nose pointed straight up, struggling mightily to stay locked on the pigeon until it inevitably stalled, flipped, and nosedived back down to the rest of the fleet. <laughs> we did it! Uh, they can't reach us. Say, are you getting a little lightheaded? It's the altitude, bruv. The air up here is thinner than the labia of an anorexic goose hand. Ah, oh, great. What the hell do we do now? The duo peered down at the now distant swarm of biplanes, seething like ants, tracking their movements, waiting patiently. Wait a minute. What's that? Bruff pointed to the west. There, amongst a cluster of clouds, was a floating structure. It resembled an oil rig in its industrial aesthetic, yet it was encapsulated totally by enormous translucent spheres. A hydro outpost. I didn't know there were any left. What, what, what is it? In the early days of Blimpery, the governments envisioned cloud cities, a great airborne civilization connecting all the world. These hydro outposts were the first step. They were little more than refueling stations, but as a symbol of global unity and progress, they were the pride of the new century. Uh, of course, since they were the property of all nations, they became the responsibility of none. No one wanted to waste the expense or the personnel defending these things, so the Sky Pirates took them over in short order. I, I believe most of them to be destroyed, but here we are. Almost as if on cue, a hatch in one of the spheres opened, and a strip of lights flashed on. Looks like we're being invited to land. I don't like the look of this place. What choice do we have? Bruff guided the pigeon through the open hatch and lowered the ship to the surface with a metallic thump. As he powered down the engines, the hatch closed silently behind them. Oh, the air seems better already. Yeah. Come on, let's take a look around. I don't like just sitting here. I feel like a target. Bruff and Fable opened the pigeon's main escape hatch and warily stepped out onto the hydro station's utilitarian dock. Bruff felt a tiny wisp of wind whip past his knees. He looked down, just barely in time to see the back of a small boy sprinting away from them. Hey, wait up! Hey, Kate! Bruff ran after the lad. Bruff, wait! Fable scurried after Bruff. The two men followed the scampering scamp around what appeared to be a utility shed. On the other side were the ruins of a giant sculpture, a globe. No doubt intended to be a symbol of the world's government's new century of progress. It now lay strewn in pieces. A bit of Africa here, a chunk of Europe there. Many of the pieces were scorched and smoky, and still others were streaked with a rust-colored sheen that Bruff knew, somehow, was not rust. Among the rubble, standing silent, hands in their pockets, staring at the two men, were children. Who are these mopes? Looks like a couple of right oldies, they do, they do. Hmm, what should we do with the oldies, Cherry Top? Yeah, Cherry Old Top. What you want us to do with these oldies right here, right here? Shall we give them to the ink man? A small, hard-faced ginger boy climbed to the top of a piece of Florida. Yo, shut up, Binky. You're such an idiot. Let me handle this. Yo, 
What are you oldies doing in our airspace? Yous are lucky I let yous land down here and explain yourself instead of opening fire. Ugh, what the hell is this? I don't need to be lectured by no half pint. Wait, where is the grown-ups? Who's in charge? <laughs> Case you didn't guess by now, there are no grown-ups, and I'm in charge. Let me try talking to this old cripple and see if I have any better luck. Why, you insolent puke face, candy stealing, prepubescent? All right, all right, all right. You ain't getting it. Your situation is kind of precarious. You see, all these kids here listen to me, and they like nothing better than to stomp your guts with their bare hands. How would they stomp with their hands, Jay? That don't make no sense. Brain them. With that, the children erupted in shouts of glee and rage. They began to chant Inkman, Inkman. Over and over at a fever pitch, they rushed Binky, lifted him high over their heads as if to celebrate him, but instead slammed him repeatedly into a chunk of Korea until he was nothing but pulp, bones, and a stupid jetpack. All right, you get how this works now? Good. Tell me what you're doing here. Jesus. Um, well, we're on the run. Uh, the FAA is after us. Uh, they think we're pirates. The FAA? We hate the FAA. That's right. We always shoot down their planes whenever they get too close. Nosy air cops trying to spy on our business. Are you responsible for that herd of them loitering down there? Uh, I'm afraid so. That's all right. Gives us a chance to some target practice. Now, supposing, just supposing we was to give you air cover while you got away, what'd be in it for us? Ah, uh, well, we've got treasure aboard. Uh, it, it could be yours. What kind of treasure? God, shut up, Cappy. You're such an idiot. What kind of treasure? Gold, artifacts, precious jewelry, rare antiques. Gotta say... Not real impressed with that load. Maybe we should give you to the Ink Man after all. Ah, uh, there's food, fuel, gemstones, works of art. Um, <gasps> did you say art? Yeah, lots of art. Paintings, uh, sculptures. The boys look at each other with nervous excitement. Uh, uh, um, uh. Uh, you got, you got any, um, got any, like, art with, um, yeah, yeah, you got, you got any art with, like, um, with boobies in it? Boobies! (laughs) Oh, sure, loads of it, yeah. Lots of boobies. Alright, all right, but you're, um, you're not messing with me, right? Because, um, there's really boobies? Sure. Plenty of them. Nuh-uh. You, mm, you don't really have pictures of boobies. Yeah. We got, like, a whole crate of booby art in the cargo hold. Fable lets me look at it whenever I want. No, you don't. Yeah, it does, too. Boys, 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 enough arguing. Here, booby art for everyone. Fable had snuck off to the cargo hold and was emerging with a half-open crate. He began tossing the priceless original works to the children like candy at a bazaar. 
The boys scrambled over each other for the pictures, eyes agape in wonder. Francisco de Goya's The Nude Maha was snatched up by a tall lad with a faint mustache. Hieronymus Bosch's The Garden of Earthly Delights was shared by twin lads with broken noses. I don't even want to tell you what a group of British garbage children did to Michelangelo's heretofore thought lost Leda and the Swan. Cherry Top himself commandeered Katushika Hakusai, the dream of the fisherman's wife, and forbade all the other boys from even glancing at it. You just stay away from my octopus lady, alright? It's mine. Alright, oldies, you got a deal. We'll attack the biplanes, you make your getaway. The hormonal heathens scattered to their battle stations. Each boy manned a gun at least twice his size. Alright, you's all ready? We're descending for battle! Cherry Top was now seated atop the utility building amongst an array of control panels. He punched a few buttons, pulled a lever, and the whole floating facility began to dip. Come on, we better get in the pigeon. Ruff and Fable scrambled back to their ship as the hydro station passed through a layer of clouds and within range of the FAA fleet. The boys engaged first, sending wild but effective streams of bullets raining down upon the outmatched biplanes. The FAA pilots did not back down, however, and began returning fire with intricate and acrobatic aerial maneuvers. Planes exploded all around, battle stations were destroyed, and little boy limbs danced among the clouds, along with shattered propellers and sliced up pilot parts. Now's the time, Bruff. We better get while the getting's good. Bruff engaged the engines and looked down to release the air brakes. There, under the console, was a chubby young boy, shivering in terror. What are you doing here, kid? Get, get out of here. I can't. I can't take the noise. The tubby tyke held his ears and groaned. Aw, oh, come on, kid. I don't have time for this. Go, go back to your friends. I don't have friends. They hate me and they beat me. I want my mummy. I want my mummy. Your mommy? Well, where the hell is she? I don't know. The ink man brought me here when I was little. He said he'd help me find my mummy. Have you seen my mummy? The boy held out a tattered picture of a striking woman with green eyes and impeccable cheekbones, sketched in some faded fecal-scented medium. No, I I don't know a kid. All around, the children began to cheer. The battle had been won. The remaining biplanes had retreated. Hey, wait a minute. Where's my pad? My pad! Oh no, oh no! Is that you? Oh no, oh no, they want to give me to the ink man! There he is. What are you doing on that ship with the oldies, Moped? Trying to escape? Uh, No, I... uh... Didn't I tell you if I ever caught you hiding during a battle again, I'd give you to the Ink Man? Ink Man, Ink Man, Ink Man, Ink Man, Ink Man. No, no, please. You've had too many chances already. Get him, boys. Hold it right there. The boy's coming with us. What are you doing, bruv? Oh, is he? Is he coming with you? Guess we'll send you all to the Ink Man after all. Take him. The blood-hungry boys swarmed around the pigeon, tore the main hatch off its hinges, and snatched up Mophead, Bruff, and Fable like ants hauling picnic scraps. Bring him to the Globus Sacrifice. We make a gift to you, O Ink Man, our savior, our creator. May the world truly be bathed in blood, just as you taught us. The boys continued their chant, carrying their helpless victims to the gruesome pit of sacrifice. Mophead was to be first. They lifted him high high over their heads, aiming his feebly struggling pudgy body at a pile of rocks that may have been France. Just as they were about to slam him down to his death, a whirring rumble emanated through the facility. 
the boys immediately became silent, dropped their victims, and fell to their knees, prostrating themselves toward the hatch and the great sphere. As the hatch silently opened, the boys began their chant anew, this time in quiet, reverent whispers. A machine unlike anything Bruff had ever seen descended out of the atmosphere and entered the hatch. It had a whirring, spiral-like, vertically-aimed propeller and a conical base flanked by two enormous flapping wings that resembled those of a bat. The metallic contraption landed lightly on the dock and the boys' chat began to grow. The conical base of the machine twisted open in a puff of steam and out stepped an almost impossibly tall figure, a man wearing an outlandish, ill-fitted suit, a man with tattoos snaking around every inch of exposed flesh. The Ink Man. Tangier. Will the boys sacrifice Bruff, Fable, and Mophead to the Ink Man? Will the kingdom of Yugoslavia be destroyed by the quake of the century? What exactly does Cherry Top have planned for his priceless pornographic squid picture? Find out next time on Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by 2-in-1 Shampoo Plus Conditioner being used all over your body. It's basically the same thing as body wash, except your pubes are silky smooth. No, Courtney, no. I, I just want things to be normal again, you know? It's, it's been so long. Please. Please, Courtney, just, just one season. One season without pain and torment. One, just... Just normal, light, easy, happy, and happy season. Is, is that so much to ask? D- does there always have to be pain? Does something always have to go wrong? Can't things ever just work out and be simple and easy and normal? You know? Like you? You and your friends and in your classes? We set it up for you so you don't have to suffer or be challenged or think or feel too much or be angry or sad. Or confused? Why can't someone do that for me? Just this, just, just this once. Just this one season. Can I please just say my narration, do my job, then go home? No. No, 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 Courtney. I, w- I won't. Courtney, I won't do it. I know you want me to. I don't know what it does for you, but it'll ruin everything. Why are you doing this to me? Why? Why? Why can't you... Can't you just... Oh. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Wasn't that a fantastic episode of Bruff Taxwin Sky Sailor? <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I was just saying to Courtney how glad I am that we're all back together and everything is normal this season. Perfectly, happily normal. Huh. I love you all. Good night. Vuda 
Alchemist, Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Werdner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Rough Tax Wind Sky Sailor Story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Werdner as lead story editor. This episode written by Mr. Werdner and edited by Mr. Werdner, featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes to support Rude Alchemy and gain access to exclusive bonus content including blooper reels from every season, visit rudealchemy.com slash support. And finally, I apologize for my audio quality. I'm recording remotely because I'm taking some time off at a spiritual retreat located in the mountains of Kentucky. I think it's been really good for me. I've been meditating, participating in group therapy, but mostly just taking long walks with Dr. Abrams, who runs the retreat center here. I've finally gotten to the bottom of some deep, painful memories that I think were really holding me back. I've learned that I never believed anger to be an acceptable emotion, so I've always suppressed it, or let it out at the wrong times. I learned that While I should try not to blame her, my mother's overbearing yet emotionally distant parenting left me ill-confident and unequipped to deal with basic emotions. I learned that my attachments to the past, my divorce, my obsession with my ex-wife, are unhealthy fixations. I've got to move forward. Forward. That's how I'll become a better father. That's how I'll find a sense of fulfillment. That's how I'll find some peace. And, most importantly, as Dr. Abrams says, that's how I'll be truly prepared for the moment when we evacuate the Earth before the Luciferians can trick us with their space holograms depicting miracles. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy podcast. Fridays and every other Sunday... Well, anyway, back in episode 5 of Bells in the Bat Free... We introduce the cowlets, tiny little cows. Where did all these cats come from? They're not cats, they're cows, and they're heading toward the water cooler. Stop it before... Now you can display your love of these tiny cows with genuine cowlet t-shirts. You know what's really fun to do with these shirts? Get a whole bunch of people to buy them. Then you all gather together and run down the street. People will see these cowlets coming toward them and think it's a stampede. You think that would really work, Brad? Shh, I'm pushing for bulk sales here. You can also get cowlet mugs, clocks, and other items. Just go to thebatfree.com and click on shop. This is a limited time offer. No, it's not. You just do not understand advertising, do you? Get your merchandise today with the official Cowlet design created by Jeff Music. Buying lots of them would bring music to my ears. Oh, stop. Stop.